Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. Even though it is rather dark at this time, I hope that you are glad that you have come, and that we can worship our God at this hour. As perhaps we know, today, the 21st of June, it's the first day of summer, and being the third Sunday of the month, it is also known in our country as Father's Day. The second Sunday in May, we set aside for our Christian mothers, today for our Christian fathers. The text that I have just read from the Word of God is very appropriate for this occasion. We find it written by the Apostle St. Paul, by inspiration of God, he writing to the fathers of the Christian congregation at Ephesus in Asia Minor, a congregation that the Apostle Paul had established. And in writing to those fathers, this is what he tells them. He says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. He said, Listen, Christian fathers, I plead with you, watch it in your treatment of your children, he tells them. Watch it that in your dealings with your children that you do not provoke them to wrath, that you don't irritate them, that you don't arouse them to bitterness and resentment and hatred and animosity against you. Watch it, Christian fathers. And today, nearly 20 centuries later, as the Apostle Paul speaks to you and me from the Word of God, speaking to you and me as Christian fathers, especially this morning, he calls and he entreats and he pleads with us Christian fathers, he says, listen, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Please watch it in your life that as you deal with them, that you don't irritate them, or that you don't arouse resentment in their heart against you, that you do not arouse bitterness and animosity and hatred and ill will. Will you please watch it? And you and I may say, why? Uh, what's really so important about that? What difference does it make whether I, as a Christian father, whether I irritate my children or not? Whether I arouse resentment in them against me in the way that I treat them? We may say, oh, that's a small, trite, trivial thing after all. What's so tragic about that? We may say, I can't understand why the Apostle Paul would make so much of this. Ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath. Watch it in your treatment of them uh, that you don't arouse hatred and ill will and resentment and animosity. You know, it may seem like a small thing to you and me, but the Apostle Paul would have us know this, that this is of tremendous importance, fathers. This is of the greatest weight. It's a matter of life and death. And all because he says, listen, fathers, Watch it in your treatment of your children that you don't arouse bitterness and resentment in their hearts against you because yours is the duty, remember, of bringing up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you and I this morning on Father's Day as fathers, we may say, does the fact that it's my duty, that I am to see that my children are brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, does that fact make it a matter of life and death, a matter of the greatest importance, the matter of prime importance, that it's tragic otherwise, that I must see to it that in the way in which I treat my kids, my children, that I don't irritate them, that I don't arouse them to bitterness, and to animosity and to hatred against me. But again, it is a matter of life and death because, fathers, listen, it's your duty and mine having children 
that we are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul in the first place reminds us as Christian fathers of what this means. To bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it means to bring them up to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. You and I are the head of the household, believe it or not. We are the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. And therefore, it's your responsibility and mine, Christian fathers, that we have the responsibility of rearing our children. Mother helps, to be sure, and maybe the greater job goes to her. But it's your and my responsibility by God that we bring up our children to know Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. This is the duty that God places on you and me as a Christian father. And that means that our children are baptized in the name of our triune God. Uh, that means that you and I have the responsibility of seeing that they are taught the word of God. That they come to know who Christ is, that he is God's son. That he came out of heaven and became a human being, born of the Virgin Mary at Christmas time. That he was true God and true man. That he loved us and that he went to the cross and that he bore our guilt and our punishment. That he died for us and that in that death he has provided eternal life in heaven for all who put their trust in him. That's your duty and mine. And because this is our duty, that's why Paul says, Oh, listen, fathers, it's a matter of life and death since that is your duty to train your children to know Christ as Lord. See to it, for God's sake, see to it that you don't irritate them and that you don't arouse resentment and bitterness in their heart against you in your treatment. Because if you do, then you and I run the risk of having our children repudiate Jesus Christ to the loss of their soul because of their resentment against you and me. Don't you realize, Christian father, that this is a matter of life and death? If your child and mine, because of the way we treat him, if there is resentment and there is bitterness and there is animosity and there is hatred, he's going to get even. And all that you and I have done in telling him about Christ as Lord and Savior, in that resentment there is this danger, oh, it may not happen, but it can, that in resentment and in hatred he will get even. And he will hurt you and me where he knows it will hurt the worst. And he will turn against our Lord and our Savior. He may even declare himself to be an atheist. But you and I know that atheists aren't born, they're made. Many a young man and many a young woman today who have turned their backs on Jesus Christ and said they don't even believe in God. They don't realize it, but they're saying it. Why? Because back in their childhood, there was a father who in treating them aroused bitterness and hatred and animosity and resentment that there isn't such a thing as an atheist but it's bitterness and resentment because of treatment listen fathers I'm talking to you and I'm talking to myself this morning it's a matter of life and death that in the way we treat our kids that you and I watch and for God's sake Oh, that we don't stir up in them a hatred and an ill will and an animosity and a resentment against us. It may be fatal, the loss of their soul. And that's why this morning on Father's Day, as we look out into our world, we ought to say, because Paul pleads 
to me as a Christian father, that I watch, that I don't provoke my kids to anger, that I don't irritate them, that in the way that I keep them, that I don't arouse hostility and resentment against me. And when you and I say, I'm going to do something about it, let's start right here. And you look at yourself and I'll come and say, what kind of a temper do you have? Have you got a short fuse? How many of us don't care what we say to our kids? We don't care how it sounds. We've got a short fuse. We've got a temper. We even brag about it at times. We come home from work and things didn't go right. And just let there be just some little thing. And we blow our stack, don't we? We blow our cool. We don't care how we treat them because we've got a short fuse. And when you and I have a short fuse and in temper we deal with our children, you and I realize what we're doing when we irritate, there comes a resentment. There comes within their hearts that mean, I hate my father. I despise him. Let me tell you, Christian father, when your kid and mine in his heart begins to say, I hate you, I have no use for you because we've got a short fuse, because we've blown our tempers. There's only one thing to do. Have we ever done it? Have you ever turned to your child when you've blown your stack and you've blown your temper to say, I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry, daughter. Forgive me. We've taught our children to know Jesus. They know what forgiveness is. Have you ever had the joy of having a child say, yes, I forgive you, Dad. I realize you lost your temper. Are we so proud? And we think that it just doesn't make much difference. Have we ever asked our kids to forgive us because we had a short fuse, because we let our temper get the better of us? Have you ever had the joy of nipping in the bud in that child right at the start any kind of hatred that it becomes love and that it's no longer bitterness because there's a soul at stake. Do you know the comfort of a family being drawn a little closer together when you and I not only turn to our Lord and ask for forgiveness for a temper that gets out of bounds but that we can humble ourselves to our kids and say, Forgive me and have the joy of a child saying, Yes, Dad, I forgive you. When Paul wrote to the Christian congregation at Ephesus, you know, we read these words sometimes glibly and we say to us, I wonder what he meant that we are, again, not to provoke our children to wrath and we pass over, listen, they're tremendous. It's a matter of life and death. Paul is saying, Listen, fathers, watch out for God's sake. Watch it. And the way you treat your kids, that you don't irritate them, that you don't arouse resentment and bitterness and hatred and hostility and animosity against you, Paul says, it's a matter of life and death. God has given you this duty. You are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And because that's our duty and that's our responsibility, that's why, oh, it's so tragic. If you and I have aroused bitterness and hatred and resentment because Paul reminds you and me in the second place that as Christian fathers in nurturing our children, we are again to bring them up in this nurture and admonition, which means to bring them up in the will of God and to bring them up in discipline, admonition, discipline. We say to ourselves, what is my duty? Not only to bring up my child to know Jesus Christ as Lord, but again, to bring them up in the nurture, in the knowledge, in the admonition, in, again, the discipline 
of the Lord. That means God, he corrects us, doesn't he? Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son. God says, I want you to bring up your child, Christian father, that he knows right from wrong. And you and I turn to the Ten Commandments, don't we? And we say, listen, child, God has given us a standard of right and wrong that never changes. God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. We are to tell our children, This is God standard of right and wrong. Uh, this is the way you are to live. And then we are again to discipline, to correct them, even as God corrects you and me. This is our duty. But oh, if in the treatment that you and I give our children, if in the way we deal with them that we arouse in them resentment and hatred and ill will against us, we are running the risk of what? Of spoiling it all because we're running the risk that they may say because of resentment against you and me that they hate us. Say, I'm going out and I'm going to overthrow everything that's right and wrong. I'm going to show them how to live to the world. How many boys and girls who have gone out and lived in immorality, in incest, who have taken dope, who have again taken acid. When you say to them, what's wrong, son? What's wrong, daughter? And if you dig down deep enough, how often do we find? Because it's getting even with a father who irritated, who aroused animosity, who aroused resentment and trying to hurt him where they know that they can hurt him the worst. How many homes are broken up? How many children are without father and mother today? And when you dig down in counseling, you come up with a boy or a girl who grew up with a father who called himself a Christian who aroused animosity, bitterness, ill will in their hearts against him. And this is the way they have shown it in the loss of a soul. It's a matter of life and death. That ought to mean on Father's Day, listen, fathers, and I'm talking to you and I'm talking to myself, that ought to mean that when Paul says, listen, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, we uh, watch it for God's sakes. Watch it in your dealings with your children, the way you treat them. Watch out that you don't arouse hatred and ill will and animosity. And when you and I say, I'm going to heed that and I'm going to watch it, then we're going to determine this, that in the disciplining of our kids, we're going to make sure we do it in love and we do not do it in spite or when we are having a temper tantrum. I know you're going to say to me, listen, preacher, how do you correct a child without arousing hatred and ill will? Isn't it strange that you and I sometimes get the idea that we can't discipline our children without arousing hatred and animosity and that they say, I hate you? And we're rather afraid, aren't we? Oh, it may come, but it may only be momentary. It's possible to correct our kids and not to have them hate us. Of course it is. But how often have you and I corrected them in a tantrum of temper when what they did wasn't wrong, but it got on our nerves? And then we applied discipline, and it was so out of proportion to what they had done that had the tables been reversed, you and I would have hated our father too. 
How many of us like to ground them for six months at a time? For some little thing that irritated us on Tuesday, but wouldn't have bothered us on Wednesday. When you and I discipline and correct from temper, then God alone knows how unfair we can be. Do children object to correction? I'm sure they don't. I had a young lady to see me not long ago. She came in and said, I wish my father and my mother loved me enough that they would put some kind of clamp on me and that they would somehow or other train me and they would discipline me. My parents don't care whether I'm home or out all night. My parents are country club people. And as long as I don't interfere with their social life, as long as I don't hurt my mother and my father in their social status, I can do anything. They wouldn't know if I was gone a month. She said, I wish they loved me enough that they disciplined me. I don't know about you, fathers, but I have found that kids like to be disciplined when you and I do it in fairness. What do I mean by fairness? When our kids need to be disciplined and we say there's going to be some grounding and there's got to be some correction and we announce what we think it ought to be, is it beyond us to say to our child, does this seem fair to you? It may surprise us when even our children will say, yes, I deserve it, and it's fair. What have we done? We have nipped in the bud any kind of a feeling of hatred and animosity. Even our kids have a sense of right and wrong that when they have broken the rules, they expect to be disciplined if you and I do it in fairness. Oh, the discipline may be severe. Kids are so willing to love. They don't want to hate us. They don't want animosity. They don't want to live with that thing burning in their hearts. I hate my father. I hate my father. I don't like him. I know a little boy whose father, in a fit of temper, took him and he took off his belt and he beat him with the buckle end going into his body. The kid was welts all over. They took him out of the house because the neighbors complained. And when the hearing was in the court, and the father sat there, here was a little kid with welts, and the court said to the little boy, maybe you'd like to live with some other father and some other mother and not with your own where you can be happy. And the little kid walked over, got on his dad's lap and put his arms around him, and he said, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. That's the way kids love us. We say Father's Day, and we look out in our world, and we say, what's my duty what difference does it make how I treat my kids? Let me tell you as one father to another, it's a matter of life and death. Paul says, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. For God's sakes, he says, watch it in the way you treat them and the way, again, you have dealings with them, that you don't arouse hatred and resentment and ill will and a bitterness and a hostility in their hearts against you. Why? Because, listen, it's tragedy if we do. Why? Because Paul says, God's given you the duty of bringing up your children, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Paul reminds you and me in the third place, this is what this means, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It means to bring them up that you and I shall be the image of Christ in the home. That's your duty and mine. Think of it. We are to be the image of Jesus Christ in the home. You see, Christ is invisible, but he has a visible stand-in. 
You and I are his standing in the home. We stand there in his place. We are to be the image of Christ as we bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that in Christ-likeness, that's the way we treat our wives. That's the way we treat the mother of our kids. That in Christ-likeness, as Christ would do it, that's the way we treat our children. That's the attitude that we have towards the church. That's the attitude that we have towards the Word of God. That's the attitude that we have toward our fellow men. It's a Christ-likeness. But, oh, Father, if in our dealings with our kids it's anything but the image of Christ, that in our dealings that we have aroused hatred and resentment and hostility in them, then that bitterness, oh, it can bring about a tremendous tragedy that our kids will say, I'll get even with him. I'll show him. And again, repudiating Jesus Christ that can go out and say, I'm going to destroy everything that I come in contact with. We are standing here in America and we're lamenting. We say, what's wrong with some college boys and girls who are out to destroy? Out to destroy, burn buildings, destroy buildings, loot and plunder and burn and burn. You and I say to them, and what do you have as a substitute? And they say nothing. But the establishment's got to go. And we say, for God's sake, what's wrong with them? Where's the parents? And if you dig down, could it be this? that they came out of a supposed Christian home, but they had a father. When dealing with them, it only stir up resentment and bitterness and hatred and animosity and hostility. And this is the way they're getting even. This is the way they're getting even with their father. This is the way they're showing it. All of them could not have come out of unchristian homes for the majority, they came out of a Christian. And what's happened? Could it be this, Father, that somewhere along the line, somebody read over these words rather glibly, ye fathers, provoke not your children to anger, and thought, oh, what's the difference? What's the difference how I treat my kids? What's the difference whether I arouse resentment and hatred in them against me? It's the difference of life and death. To go out and to destroy means the loss of their soul. Can you name anything more tragic than that? How many of our kids that have come out of supposed Christian homes are lost to Christ in heaven because some of us didn't care how we treated our children? And it ought to mean this then on Father's Day, we ought to say to ourselves when Paul's calling and pleading that I'm to see to it that the way I deal with my children, that I'm not going to irritate them, that I'm going to watch it again, I'm not going to arouse resentment and hatred in them against me. We ought to determine today to say, when I deal with my children, God give me the strength to love them so that they will like me and they will like my Christ. I'd like to ask you this morning as I ask myself, how many of us have ever said this? Do my kids really like me? 
Do you ever ask yourself, do your kids really like me? Do mine really like me as a person? Or is it only this that they feel a responsibility because you and I are their fathers that God says they've got to honor us and so they honor us? How many of them really like us? How many of them really love us and like our companionship? How many of them really like us and therefore like Jesus Christ? Have we ever tried to treat them so that they like us as persons, that they love to be with us? You say, well, what can we do to make them like us? I wonder what happens on Sunday morning. You know, it looks like a small thing to drop our kids off for church and Sunday school and go on home. And we say to ourselves, kids need it. How many of us as fathers ever said to ourselves, what are we saying to our kids? We're saying to our kids, kids, I don't need it. I don't need the church. I don't need Sunday school. I don't need to have my spiritual battery recharged, but you do. How many of us realize that down in those souls of those kids, there's a bitterness and a resentment in the kids are saying, yeah, I've got to do it, but he doesn't. I hate him. I hate him. I resent him. You're out on the golf course, but again, you drop the kids off for church. Or you go home from church if you've come and you have roast pastor. Everything is wrong with the church. Everything is wrong with the sermon. He did this or he didn't do that. And you wonder, where does this hatred come? Or is it a Sunday when you say, kids, this is Sunday. This is God's day. We're going to go to church. We're going to get our spiritual batteries recharged. We're going to have a good day. This is the day with the Lord. This is a day. It's a little bit like heaven on earth. We're going together. You know what it means to have your kids love you and that they learn to love Jesus Christ? Or as we look back into our own homes, how about our father? In preparing the sermon, I thought of my dad. I thought of last Sunday. I told you last Sunday was just 39 years ago, last Sunday, that I was ordained into the Christian ministry in Zion Lutheran Church in South Chicago. My father, he was of Danish extraction, a Scandinavian, if you know something about the Scandinavians, they're rather reticent to show emotion. He had a heart in him as big as his head, but he never wanted to show emotion. And I was thinking back in the preparation sermon whether at any time in my life I'd ever really hated my father, whether there was any resentment, and I can truthfully say that I have thought and I have scrutinized, and I can't remember the moment, what may have been momentary when I was corrected and I got my share of correction even as other kids, but I, I can't remember thinking back that I ever hated my dad. I can't think of it for a moment that there was ever any hostility that I bore him any ill will, that I hated the sight of him. I can't remember that. But I do remember on the day of my ordination in Zion Church, my father was never one to show emotion. And when after the ordination I was in the vestibule and of course people lined up, I knew what my mother would do. I knew that she would kiss me and smile and cry and shed tears as all mothers do. I wouldn't have been surprised if my father hadn't even gotten in the reception line because I knew him and I knew, I knew what was down in his heart. But I, from the side of my eye, saw him coming. And I'll never forget he came up to me and he, he shook my hand and he looked me straight in the eye and he tried to say something but he couldn't and his lips began to quiver. He, he walked away. But I knew what he was trying to say. He, he didn't want to break down in tears. I knew that he was desperately proud, but I knew, I knew Hans Hollinson pretty well. It was all in here, you see, and he didn't want anybody to see him cry. But 
whenever I pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, and God is my Father, and that means that he loves me, and I, I feel a confidence and a joy in him. I realize that back in my early life that, that I can think of God as my heavenly Father. It's because I happen to have had a Father who rather reminded me of the Heavenly Father. I hope, Christian fathers, that you and I will, in the treatment that we give our kids, that when our kids tonight pray the Lord's Prayer, wherever they may be, our Father who art in heaven, that there may be a little smile on their face that God loves them because you and I have been this kind of a father. We've reminded them in our treatment of love of the Heavenly Father and have the joy of having our kids with us in heaven. I wish you a happy Father's Day. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.